Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode five of Sue's Corner. It is Monday, September 11th, and we are going to be doing a special episode today talking about NFL Week One. This is a Sue's Corner Week One wrap up, all NFL Week One games covered in 40 minutes. Okay, so before we start out, because we don't have a lot of time, we are just going to do the usual song and dance. It's just going to be 30 seconds of me doing my little spiel. So please, if you haven't already, follow or subscribe to the podcast, whether you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Follow or subscribe right now so you never miss an episode. And then turn on that notification bell so you are notified right when an episode releases. And then, of course, go to Sue's underscore corner on Instagram and follow the page. We have plenty of reels, predictions, reactions on there so you never miss anything related to Sue's Corner, your one-stop shop for all things sports. Okay, so now that we have done the spiel, it is now time to get into the nitty-gritty. We now have 39 minutes to cover all 12 games that have happened, and of course, we're filming this Monday afternoon, so Jets' bills will not be covered. Aaron Rodgers' first game as a Jet, first regular season game, um, first home game. It's going to be a great watch tonight, and that will be covered in our midweek episode. But 12 games is plenty already. So let's get right, let's get let's get right into it. Okay, we have 12 games to cover in 39 minutes, and we're gonna go in order. So we're gonna start with Lions Chiefs. So, of course, the Lions walk in to Arrowhead and win. Something a lot of people were not expecting that you're gonna be saying. But uh they do beat the Chiefs without um Travis Kelsey. And star D lineman Chris Jones. Chris Jones, of course, is holding out. He wants more money. He um, is the only veteran player in the league that is on the did not report list um, because he wants a bigger contract. And he, but Chris Jones is by far the Chiefs' best player on defense. He has been for years. He is one of the elite interior D linemen in the NFL. So that was a big loss for them. And then. Of course, the Chiefs offense without Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey right now with just a little bit of a knee injury, um, probably more of a precaution than anything. Week one, you don't want to risk him aggravating something and being out for longer. But of course, that Chiefs offense, of course, they don't have Tyreek Hill anymore, but they did have, have Travis Kelsey the last few years. And Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey, it is no understatement to say they are maybe the best duo quarterback tight end duo in football history now I mean these two guys really have carried the Chiefs to every Super Bowl they've been in especially the most recent ones without Tyreek Hill because when you think about these Chiefs teams the last few years the wide receiver core has been really nothing to write home about you have guys like Juju Smith-Schuster were on the team Nicole Hardman and then you have guys now like Sky Moore, Rasheed Rice, Kadarius Toney who uh, we'll talk about a little later. So Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey really have carried this offense for years with no run game really to speak of. So, of course, with Kelsey out, this was going to be an uphill battle for the Chiefs. But, of course, we have to give credit to the Lions. The Lions still walk into Arrowhead, one of the toughest atmospheres to play in football, all the hype surrounding the Lions, and they get the dub. The defense holds the Chiefs' offense to only 20 points, but I think what we need to talk about right now is this Lions rushing attack. So the Lions for the last few years have been pretty decent in the past game, but um, 
running the ball, they have been pretty ineffective. And of course, it's no secret that this Detroit Lions offensive line, they have spent so many high-level draft picks on it and so many, so much money devoted to that O-line to uh, protect Jared Goff and in the end have a run game. And to go into Arrowhead in that hostile environment, you need to win the time of possession battle. You need to keep the ball away from the Chiefs. So just to read out some stats, David Montgomery, former Bears running back, 21 attempts, 74 yards. Jameer Gibbs, 7 attempts, 42 yards. Okay, so they they ran the ball a lot. 28 attempts. Jared Goff ran it five times. Reeves Mabin, Jalen Reeves Mabin, one time. So what we really need to consider here is how do you beat the Chiefs? I mean, whenever the Chiefs lose, it's can you control the ball? Do you not turn the ball over, which the Lions did a pretty good job of doing? And then... Can you stop the Chiefs on those pivotal plays, those fourth downs on the Chiefs 40-yard line when they go for it and more than often get it because they have Travis Kelsey. Mahomes can find Travis Kelsey. You could double him. You can bracket him. You can do whatever you want, but Mahomes will find Kelsey. But, of course, he didn't have Kelsey this game. So this win means everything to the Lions. The Lions had so much hype. Dan Campbell had these guys fired up. They have so many weapons now. They spent a high pick on Jameer Gibbs. They have David Montgomery. They have Amon Ross St. Brown, Sam Laporta, the rookie out of Iowa. And now everyone is expecting Jared Goff to have this big leap in this offense because now he has more and more weapons and a decent rushing attack. So the Lions, this one means everything for them. Now they have they have now put themselves in the conversation as real contenders to make it to the playoffs. The Lions are not a Super Bowl caliber team. The Lions are not the type of team that is going to get to the NFC Championship game. But they are the type of team that can make some noise and get into the playoffs. So the Lions, this win means everything to them. But the Chiefs, this loss means nothing to them. The Chiefs do not care about this game. This game did not matter. They did not have Travis Kelsey their second best offensive player and by far their best skill position player. And they didn't have Chris Jones, the heart and soul of their defense. But the answer to all of the Chiefs problems were sitting up in the stands. Chris Jones, they need to sign the man right now. They need to give him whatever he wants because that defense flounders without him. They get no pressure on the quarterback without him. Jared Goff had a clean pocket for most of the night. And Chris Jones... He does everything but keep a clean pocket. He presses those guys. He presses centers like they're not even there. His strength is ridiculous. He leads the Chiefs in sacks almost every year. Great against the run. So the Chiefs, their main issue right now is how do they get Chris Jones on the field as quick as possible. But this loss, the Chiefs do not care. Because once they get Chris Jones back, which eventually they will fold and give him his money, And then once they get Travis Kelsey back, they'll be just fine. And they'll be in the AFC Championship game at a minimum unless Mahomes gets hurt. So that's our first recap. Now we're going to move down south to the NFC South to Panthers-Falcons. Falcons won this game 24-10. This was really a battle of young quarterbacks. Desmond Ritter for the Falcons. Um, Now the starter for the Falcons. No more Marcus Mariota. Desmond Ritter, 15 for 18, 115 yards and a touchdown. And then Bryce Young, the number one overall pick for the Panthers, 20 for 38, 146 yards through the air, a touchdown, and two picks. 
So, and Bryce Young ran it three times. So I think right now the better story here is in the losing locker room. The Carolina Panthers, I don't think it's time to sound alarm bells over Bryce Young. It's, it's way too early for that. But Bryce Young has been far from convincing. He was pretty bad in preseason. And I watched that game yesterday because I was interested to see how Bryce Young fared. Bryce Young was not good in that game. He struggled mightily again. And everyone talks about his height and all that. I don't don't think the height is that much of an issue. Short quarterbacks, yes, it might make it a little bit harder, but Bryce Young is more than capable. We see Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, Hall of Fame quarterbacks that were small guys. I think the problem with Bryce Young right now is the game. I I think football looks really fast to him. And there are quarterbacks that the game has always looked really fast for, and they always seem to struggle. Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel was fantastic in college, but once he got to the NFL, it was just apparent that the NFL moved too fast for him. It was too physical, too fast. He couldn't make reads in enough time. So Bryce Young, I worry about him because there was a lot of indecision. There was a lot of scrambling and errant throws. He, he was lucky he didn't have more interceptions. The Falcons had a lot of opportunities to get some more picks. But I really do think that the Panthers now with Bryce Young, this is why it's always best. I've always been an advocate for having a rookie quarterback that you draft sit behind a guy for a year because you get at least acclimated with the speed of the game. But that's not the world we live in now. If you draft someone high, you got to play him right away because the fans are clamoring to see him. But now let's switch over to the other side, the Falcons. The Falcons are 1-0. A convincing win, 24-10 to at home. I think Desmond Ritter is great. Second-year quarterback out of Cincinnati. Sat by in Mariota for a year. Game manager, as I said, Desmond Ritter, 15 for 18, 115 yards. The key thing here, no interceptions. The Falcons have a good defense. Not great, good. Top 15 NFL defense. But the, the rushing attack is really where the Falcons are going to make their bread and butter because you have Tyson Algier, Algier, everyone. He's one of those Tyson Algier is one of those players that everyone pronounces his name differently. Tyler Algier, I think is how you say it. I looked it up. Okay. It's his second season out of BYU. The guy's a stud. And then behind him, you have Bijan Robinson. Of course, the rookie out of Texas. Everyone loves Bijan. This guy's going to be incredible. Had his, scored his first touchdown yesterday. Had 56 yards on the ground, 27 yards through the air. Six targets, six, six receptions in the passing game. So they have a decent one-two punch right there. So I think the key for the Falcons, I think they're going to be competing with the Saints to win the NFC, NFC South. But the key for the Falcons is, is Desmond Ritter going to be a good game manager? Can he be what Ryan Tannehill was for the Titans a few years ago? If I'm a Falcons fan, I'm taking Desmond Ritter 15 for 18, 115 yards and a touchdown every day of the week. Just don't lose us the game. And we'll run the ball and we'll play good defense. The Falcons are 1-0. Bryce Young is going to struggle. And now we're moving on to Baltimore, where the Ravens, new look Ravens. Okay, we now have Odell Beckham Jr. on the outside. Zay Flowers, rookie out of Florida State. New offensive coordinator. Lamar Jackson with a new new contract. 
against the Houston Texans. New coach and C.J. Stroud, the rookie out of uh, Ohio State, the second overall pick at the helm. Okay, so the Houston Texans, we'll start with them. The Houston Texans only scored nine points yesterday. And um, C.J. Stroud looks, looked okay. Okay, he, he threw the ball a ton. He threw the ball. Let me look right here. I have it on my little stats sheet. He threw the ball 44 times. He, he th- 24 for, 28 for 44. 28 completions, 44 attempts. 242 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Okay, so the Texans, of course, they're playing from behind here. But the Texans need to help out C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud has no weapons on the outside. He has Nico Collins, Robert Woods, kind of journeyman wide receiver threes on most teams. But the rushing attack, I was really disappointed. They have Damian Pierce, second-year running back out of Florida. Damian Pierce was exceptional last year. He only carried the ball 11 times. When you have a rookie quarterback, do not have him throwing the ball 44 times. Okay, you need to at least have your workhorse running back like Damian Pierce was last year run the ball 20 times. So the Texans need to help Bryce Young out because it is not sustainable for him to throw the ball 44 times a game. But I think the more exciting uh, story from this game is the Ravens. The Ravens, of course, Greg Roman out as offensive coordinator. Everyone wondering what that means for Lamar Jackson. I'll tell you what it means. I think Lamar Jackson is going to have to adapt. And I think it might be rough for a little while. It was kind of rough yesterday. But I think in the end, it will benefit this Ravens offense. So Lamar Jackson, no touchdowns, threw a pick, threw for 169 yards. Okay. And here's the key thing here. Lamar Jackson only rushed six times. Only six times. There were a lot of games last year where we were into the 10 to 15 range. Okay, so the Ravens now are saying, Lamar, you have to become a pocket passer. A pocket passer that can run. But we're not going to run you 15 times a game because we want you to still be able to be a quarterback in four years and not be beat up. Because he took some massive hits last year. So Lamar Jackson, of his 17 completions, 10 or 9 Nine out of his 17 completions were to the rookie first-round wide receiver out of Florida State, Zay Flowers, for 78 yards. So I think we know who his new favorite target is. Zay Flowers, in his first game as a Baltimore Raven, nine receptions, 78 yards. He was incredible. He played played very well. Extremely good route runner, big hands, good frame. So I think the Ravens now have found their wide receiver one. And then, of course, you have Odo Beckham Jr., who played well. And then you have Rashad Bateman. But the Ravens, they won the game, but they lost someone huge. J.K. Dobbins is out for the year. The Ravens' star running back, their number, their RB1, Torres Achilles, out for the season. So now the Ravens already have to pivot at running back. They have Gus Edwards because Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins were kind of going to be their one-two punch. But J.K. Dobbins was kind of going to be the lead back. But now that he is hurt, 
they now have to shift to Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. So the Ravens won, at, but at what cost? So the Ravens are 1-0. They cover the spread of 9.5 points. They win 25-9. C.J. Stroud throws the ball 44 times, way too many times for a rookie quarterback. And the Ravens win Lamar Jackson. Growing pains will happen. This will probably be a growing pain season for him. But trust me, we'll look back in two or three years and be like, okay, these were good growing pains because Lamar Jackson, the only way he can become a better pocket passer is if he practices. And that is you, the only way you get better is in-game. So I like what the Ravens are doing. Don't mold your offense to Lamar. Get Lamar, use the best aspects of him, but put him in your offense. So I like what the Ravens are doing. The Ravens are 1-0. And now we're going to stay in the Ravens division because we're talking Bengals-Browns. Okay? Rainy, rainy day in Cleveland. But I'll tell you this much. I watched this entire game. Cleveland was rocking. I have not heard the stadium that loud in a long time. Those Browns fans, we know how loyal they are. We know how rowdy they are. Sometimes how weird they are. But that's no matter. Because the Cleveland Browns, as I said on Instagram, if you don't follow already, go and follow Sue's Corner on Instagram. I said in my predictions for the AFC North that I think the Browns will finish third, but if Deshaun Watson returns to his all-pro level, all-pro whatever, Pro Bowl form, even Pro Bowl, even Pro Bowl Lamar Jackson is good enough. Pro Bowl Lamar Jackson, Pro Bowl Deshaun Watson. And boy, Deshaun Watson came to play yesterday because Deshaun Watson was bad last year. But boy, yesterday he he came out with a vengeance. He decided that he was going to win that game because he knew he needed to get that fan base on his side. Okay, so the Browns win this game 24-3. to Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, completely bottled up by the Cincinnati Browns defense. The Browns, of course, new defensive coordinator after Joe Woods uh, was, was let go. Joe Woods was an awful defensive coordinator for them last season. He did not help them out at all. They have a good defense, Miles Garrett. They have a good secondary, and he just didn't help them out at all. He actually made that unit worse. So now that they have a new D coordinator, their defense, of course, was fantastic. They had the, held the Bengals, in my opinion, maybe the most dangerous offense in the NFL, if not number one, top three weapons. I mean, they just have a plethora of weapons, and they held them to three points. Of course, the conditions played a factor. Of course, Joe Burrow being banged up played a factor. But hats off to the Browns. And then offensively, Deshaun Watson, the numbers aren't beautiful. 16 for 29, 154 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. If you if you right now, because the podcast will keep playing, if you go on Twitter or look up Deshaun Watts' interception, it might have been the worst interception I have ever seen in my life. He threw it right to a Bengals player. He must have thought it was a Browns. He must have thought it was one of his wide receivers because one of his wide receivers wasn't even in the area. It was comical. But barring that one mistake, Deshaun Watson was fantastic. With his legs, five attempts, 45 yards, and a touchdown. But it was just, if you watch the game, I encourage you, if you recorded the game, or you can go back, they'll be running it back on NFL Network. There will be highlights on YouTube. 
go and watch Deshaun Watson this game compared to last year. And the only, the main difference is Deshaun Watson was decisive. He knew what he was going to do. For better or for worse, he's like, I am throwing to Amari Cooper. I am throwing this to Elijah Moore. I am running this football. And that's that's all being a quarterback in the NFL is. It's not, do you, do you make the right decisions? That's important. Do you have the arm strength? That's important. Do you have the good field vision? Yes, that's so important. But do what you're going to do with conviction. Because if you have conviction in what you're doing as a quarterback, it is more likely to pan out than not. Patrick Mahomes always says, I don't always know if I'm making the right choice, but I know what choice I'm making. So Deshaun Watson knew what he was going to do. Last year, we were seeing pump fakes. So I've never seen a quarterback pump fake it more. He was running around. Didn't know whether to scramble. There were times where he would scramble and the first down marker was right in front of him. He could have ran for it. And he tried to throw it into triple coverage. It, he just made decisions that made no sense. But to, on Sunday, he knew what he was going to do. And that Browns team, all they needed was a leader. And Cleveland believes now. And this Browns team is dangerous because, of course, Nick Chubb, who I just have fallen victim to that, the national sports media does not talk, talk enough about. That guy is an incredible running back. So if the Browns run the ball, play good defense, Deshaun Watson plays hard and makes good decisions, the Browns are a dangerous team. If they do those three things, they'll definitely make the playoffs and they will be a definite threat in the playoffs. Because I'll tell you, they have a 12th man in the dog pound in Cleveland. And for the Bengals, it's just Joe Burrow's calf. There are fans on Instagram and uh, the Bengals Instagram comment section saying, how do you donate a calf? (laughs) I would like to give Aaron Judge my toe so he doesn't have to deal with that chronic pain. But Joe Burrow, he'll heal. He'll be fine in a few weeks. But the Bengals right now might be a little rough until he heals up. So the Browns beat the Bengals 24-3. Cleveland's believing Cincinnati fans don't lose hope. Your team's going to be just fine. Okay, now, of course, I am talking about each game way too much, so we're going to have to start moving a little quicker, but we're going to go to Indianapolis. We had Jaguars, Colts, Anthony Richardson's debut for the Colts, the Jaguars. Calvin Ridley is back after his suspension. He is now a Jacksonville Jaguar. The Jaguars win this divisional game, this AFC South game, the division that is probably... Maybe the weakest in football, the Jaguars, the Colts, the Texans, and the Titans. But the the Jaguars take care of business, go to Indianapolis and win. A tough place to play. Anthony Richardson, rookie quarterback, 24 for 37, 223 yards, a touchdown and a pick, and then, of course, a touchdown with his legs. I was really impressed with Anthony Richardson. We've all, us college football fans, have seen him at Florida. He really, he had games where really it looks like he could be a top five NFL quarterback. I mean, there are just days where he's unplayable. And then there's just some days where it's like, wow, I don't even know if this guy should be drafted. But Anthony Richardson played really well, barring the one interception. He played smart. So the Colts, decent showing, 21 points. The defense is iffy. Okay, the Colts are not going to be a good football team this year. So, 
they're fine losing games. It's all about the development of Anthony Richardson. We all know what's going on with Jonathan Taylor. If you don't know what's going on, go to episode four. We talk all about it. But the Jacksonville Jaguars, I just want to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars for 30 seconds here. I'm going to just list you Jacksonville Jaguars skill position players. Travis Etienne, third season out of Clemson, high-level running back. Tank Tank Bigsby, bruising back, rookie out of Auburn. Calvin Ridley, proven Pro Bowl-level wideout. Got him. Out, uh, got him from the um, Atlanta Falcons. Zay Jones really proved himself last year to be a good NFL wide receiver. Evan Ingram, again, really, really flopped with the Giants, had issues with drops, got a fresh start in Jacksonville, top 10 NFL tight end. Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk is probably the wide receiver three or four on the Jacksonville Jaguars now. Christian Kirk would be the wide receiver two on most teams. This guy's incredible. He had a fantastic year last year. Some of his the games that he had last year were incredible. So, Christian Kirk, that's another weapon. And then, of course, they have Trevor Lawrence at the helm. Trevor Lawrence, who took a big leap last year. And Trevor Lawrence, of course, is as dangerous in the air as he is on the ground. So, the Jacksonville Jaguars have one of the most dangerous offenses in football, and they are in a weak division which usually means that they are going to be dangerous come playoff time. Because when you play teams like the Colts and the Titans and the Texans, that means you can rest some guys. And it may seem seem insignificant. If Trevor Lawrence can take a quarter off, if starters can take a quarter off two or three times a season, that comes big come playoff time. So the Jacksonville Jaguars are dangerous. Okay, so now we're going to talk Buccaneers-Vikings. I'm going to take a little water break, drink some water, and then we're going to come back for the end. Buccaneers-Vikings, 20-17. to The story is Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield leads the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, all of the off-field drama with Mike Evans' contract issue lingering over them. No more Tom Brady. Baker Mayfield, they walk into Minnesota against Justin Jefferson and the Vikings, and they win. 20-17. to the Buccaneers, I, I think 75% of people predicted the Buccaneers to lose this game. I, I, I predicted the Buccaneers to win this game. If you go back to my most recent post, I had the Buccaneers winning this game, and I'll tell you why the Buccaneers are going to be a little bit dangerous. We know the Buccaneers have a good defense with Todd Bowles as head coach. Todd Bowles will always have a good defense. But it's this offense that intrigues me. Okay, you have Baker Mayfield, quarterback, game manager. That's that's what Baker Mayfield is now. 21 completions, 173 yards, two touchdowns. The perfect day for Baker Mayfield. And then running backs, we didn't really get to see it, but you Rashad White ran the ball 17 times, only 40 yards, no touchdowns, nothing glamorous. This guy's a stud. He's going to have a fantastic year. And then, of course, at wideout, you have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Two guys that are proven NFL wide receivers. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they aren't going to win 10, 11, 12 games, but they'll be in that 7-8 win category. And the Vikings, yeesh, losing at home first week of the season to the Baker Mayfield-led Buccaneers is not a good look. So they need to fix some things there. 
And Kirk Cousins is going to be under pressure soon because when you have Justin Jefferson, who absolutely dominated this game again, I mean, just an absolute video game character, nine receptions for 150 yards, and you don't win, yikes. Okay, time to take a water break, and we're back for the final stretch. Okay, so now let's head down to New Orleans where we had Titans Saints. The Titans, of course, not expected to win many games this year. Um, they lose to New Orleans. The Saints win 16-15, to a really close game, way closer than it should have been. The Saints dominated this game from absolute start to finish, but it was a field goal fest. The Saints just really couldn't execute in the red zone, couldn't uh, convert critical third downs around that 30-yard mark, had to settle for field goals instead of touchdowns. But uh, really here, I just want to talk about the Titans. The Titans need a quarterback change right now. They should change it right now. Okay? They drafted Sam Levis out of Kentucky. Put him in right now. See what you got. Ryan Tannehill, 16 for 34. Three interceptions. That That's unacceptable. Throwing three interceptions as a veteran and completing less than half of your passes. Ryan Tannehill just looks like a quarterback right now. That is just past his prime. And it's, it's not hurtful or harsh to say it. He's just past his prime. So now it's time for him to step aside and see. The Titans can see what they have in Will Levis. But the Saints, hats off to them. The Saints will be good this year. Derek Carr throws for 305 yards. Chris Olave has a fantastic game. Rashid Shahid, 89 yards and a touchdown. Mike Michael Thomas, if he can stay healthy, he's a massive threat. So I think I really do think the Saints are the Saints and the Falcons are probably competing for the NFC South title. But the Buccaneers are going to try to weasel their way into that. But the Saints just I think have too many offensive weapons for that division. Okay, and then we have the 49ers 30 to 7 against the Steelers. I'm really disappointed in the Steelers. We'll talk more. We'll we'll talk more about the exciting games in depth in my midweek. But right now, this is just an episode where I watched every game. I watched the highlights. I watched film breakdowns. And I'm just filling you in on everything. So when you go into work and your buddies are talking about the games, or you have a friend who's a Steelers fan, you can be like, hey, I heard on Sue's Corner that you guys played awful. Your defense was awful. You couldn't stop the run. You can say those type of stuff. So 49ers win 30-7. to Brock Purdy, back from his awful injury that he sustained against the Eagles last year in the playoffs. Christian McCaffrey, 152 yards on the ground. I mean, just an absolute stud, McCaffrey. The 49ers, they were really good when they did that running back by committee. Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson, sorry. You had guys like Raheem Mostert. All these guys. But now you have Christian McCaffrey, a true elite running back. And boy, the 49ers look absolutely deadly. The Steelers, they just got punched in the gut the entire game. The 49ers just ran it down their throat. And the second the Steelers pushed up on the line, play action pass, throw it deep to Brandon Ayuk, who had eight receptions for 129 yards and two touchdowns. And then you have Debo Samuel, George Kittle. I mean, that offense is just absolutely loaded. And the Steelers, yikes. This was a team that had some pretty high hopes. And uh, it's as we saw with the Giants, which we'll talk about in a second, teams with high hopes this week, I mean, when you just get blown out at home, it's a real buzzkill. So it'll be interesting to see how the Steelers bounce back. 
I mean, of course, losing on 49ers week one was maybe expected, but not 30-7. to So then now they're on Monday Night Football at home against the Browns. And the Steelers need to get back on track. And then we had Cardinals-Commanders. Battle of the teams that start with a C. The Commanders hold their fort against the Cardinals, 20-16. to The Cardinals, they are not favored in a single game that they play this season in Vegas. No sports book has them, has them favored in any game they play this season. And they hung around and hung around, but they, in the end, what's going to be the story the entire year, didn't have enough talent in the crucial moments. So the Commanders, this is one of those games we'll talk about for 30 seconds. It really wasn't a flashy game. It wasn't exciting. Uh, the Commanders just, they kind of slept walk through the entire game, and then their defense bailed them out at the end. I, I, I don't really think there's anything else to say. Their defense bailed them out at the end. Made some crucial stops. Commanders offense scored a late touchdown and then kicked a late field goal. And uh, Cardinals offense just didn't have any weapons to throw to in that crunch time, which will be the story of their season all year. So the commanders get a good win under new ownership, a fresh start 20 to 16 and the Cardinals go 0 and 1. And sadly, I don't for you Cardinals fans. I don't think it's the last time they'll lose a game this season. Packers bears, Jordan love. If you go on Instagram, I made a reel predicting the Packers to win the NFC North. It has over 60,000 views and over 300 comments. Most of those comments calling me crazy, maybe in not such nice words. But we have a thick skin here because I believe what I believe, and the Packers proved me right. The Packers are going to be an absolute force to be reckoned with. Aaron Rodgers was awful last year. I have told you guys that multiple times. He was bad, 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 bad last season. Jordan Love, I love his game. I think he's absolutely fantastic. I think he's great with his legs. I think he makes good decisions. And I also think he checks his ego at the door, which maybe their previous quarterback didn't do so much. Aaron Jones, I think it is criminal that Aaron Jones only had nine attempts. But then Aaron Jones, coming out of halftime, two receptions, 86 yards. Takes one to the house. I mean, it was a 51-yard touchdown. It was incredible. It was awesome. And then you had his touchdown run as well. So the Packers, led by Jordan Love and Aaron Jones, are pushed over the line. Christian Watson, their star wide receiver, the absolute speedster, the track star that just happens to play football. They beat the Bears. And the Bears, yikes, Bears fans, I'm sorry. I mean, when I'm talking to some of you guys in the comments, I, I really do feel bad because you guys always have so much hope. And then it's snatched away from you guys. The Bears, Justin Fields, far from impressive. 216 yards, through an interception, had a fumble in a crucial moment of the game. And he still has that bad habit of not wanting to stand in the pocket, scan the field, and throw it to a wide receiver. He wants to run around. So the Bears had to figure it out quickly before it's too late because they actually put some chips on the table this year. Got DJ Moore for wide receiver help. Trey Edmonds, linebacker from the Bills. 
So the Bears need to figure it out quick. Packers win 38-20, go 1-0 on the season. The Jordan Love era is off to a good start. Packers 1-0, Bears, yikes, 0-1. Got to write the ship very quickly. So now we uh, can segue. That was a great segue. We could segue to a team that is trying to right the ship, the Denver Broncos. First game in the, of the Sean Payton era. Sean Payton a few days ago, it was a national news story telling Russell Wilson to stop kissing babies and care what people think to play football. Well, the Broncos did not play good football. And it shows that the problems in Denver lied a lot, lied way deeper than just their head coach. You know, in, in football, we absolutely love a scapegoat. And Nathaniel Hackett was scapegoat number one. Russell Wilson, 27 completions for 177 yards. The Broncos, in the end, this came down to they could not run the ball. They could not run the ball at all on, the, on that Raiders defense. And the Raiders, I picked the Raiders to win this game because, first of all, I don't think Sean Payton can snap his quarterback whisperer fingers and fix the Broncos. And second of all, I think the Raiders are a decent football team. Jimmer Garoppolo played well. Josh Jacobs actually didn't have a great game, but they still won. And that defense led by Max Crosby. They have pass rushers and they can cover. So the Raiders go into Denver, the Broncos, all of this hype. The fans were so excited and they silenced the crowd with a 17-16 win. The Raiders, that touchdown, Jacoby Myers, the former Patriot, two touchdowns. Touchdown in the fourth quarter to win the game 17-16. The Broncos couldn't muster up a field goal anything in crunch time. So the Raiders go into Denver and get a big win. Okay, and now the now the for sure the game of the week. Dolphins Chargers. Or should I say Tyreek Hill versus the Chargers? Tyreek Hill had one of the best individual performances that I have seen from a wide receiver in football. 11 receptions, 215 yards, two touchdowns. Just absolutely incredible. All Tua Tonga-Vailoa had to do was throw the ball in the air and Tyreek Hill would just run under it. And the Chargers, they just continued to let him do it. I mean, they didn't get pressure on Tua and they did not double cover Tyreek Hill how they should have. Tyreek Hill should be double covered every single play of the game. You have one guy right in front of him, jamming jamming him at the line of scrimmage so he can't get a full head of steam. And then a guy over the top that he can't catch the deep ball. But the Chargers just decided that they were going to let Tyreek Hill run rampant. And so the Miami Dolphins go into LA and win 36-34. A fantastic game. If you didn't watch it, go watch the highlights. And the Miami defense comes up big sacking Justin Herbert when the Chargers were trying to drive down the field to get a field goal that would win the game. So Miami, of course, some things are tightened up on the defensive side of the ball, but that offense is crazy. Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill are probably two top five wide receivers in terms of speed. Tyreek Hill is definitely number one, and Jalen Waddle is close to number one. That guy is so fast as well. So the Miami Dolphins, two Otango Vailoa, is living every quarterback's dream. So many weapons, good offensive line. They've improved it a lot after last season. If they can protect him, boy, the Dolphins are going to be having a lot of games where they're scoring 36, 40, 30 points. And the Chargers, 
tough to lose when you score 34 points. But I think they should be encouraged by their offensive performance, but the defense needs tightening up. And now we go to Foxborough. Two games to go after this one. The Patriots honor Tom Brady in Foxborough. He comes back. Um, great atmosphere. And the Patriots lose a game that they should have won. The Philadelphia Eagles win this game 25-20, to but they should have lost this game. Oh, I can't stand the Patriots because of Tom Brady. I like Tom Brady now that he's retired, but even as a Giants fan, just seeing them rack up those Super Bowls was tough, tough to watch. But this Patriots team, oh, they really just, they couldn't put the Eagles away. There was a point in time, time's running out in the game, Jalen Hurts fumbles the football. And the Patriots get the ball in plus territory. And Mac Jones takes a sack. And they and then and then they have to go for it on like fourth and twenty. And Hunter Henry drops the ball. This is just a Patriots team that we're so used to seeing the Patriots have this killer instinct that they had for almost a decade. But now we've see, we're seeing just a Patriots team that you just they can't put teams away. And it's very unlike a Bill Belichick-led team. But I think what the main story is here, the Eagles, new offensive play caller, the play calling for the Eagles was atrocious. Dallas Goddard, one of the best tight ends in football, didn't he had one target the entire game. One target. Kenneth Gainwell. I did, Kenneth Gainwell had 14 attempts. DeAndre Swift had one attempt. DeAndre Swift is better than Kenneth Gainwell. So the Eagles play calling that game, and then they ran the ball when they should have passed it. They were so predictable. I mean, really, they should have won this game based on talent. 20 points. They were up 16-0. to And then the Patriots outscored them 20-9 to the rest of the game. The Eagles were awful offensively. And that's something to look out for because the Eagles... When they play tougher teams, that really could come to bite them. Because they play the Vikings on Thursday night football this week. And I'll tell you this much, the Vikings are not going to score 20 points. They're going to score a lot more. Okay, even though the Vikings had a very disappointing week, I believe the Vikings are going to come out firing. Okay, they outgained the Buccaneers by over 100 yards. They just couldn't put them away. So the Eagles need to right the ship offensively before it's too late. Because once they play better teams, they're going to get exposed if they don't call better games than this. Okay, two more to go. Rams, Seahawks. Now that I am in college in Washington, everyone here is pretty much a Seahawks fan. But yeesh, yeesh is the word to describe this game. The Rams, led by vintage Matthew Stafford, dismantle the Seahawks. In front of the 12th man, 30 to 13. What? That's what I was saying this whole game. What? The Seahawks were awful. The Seahawks could not run the ball. They could not throw the ball. And then they could not stop the run. And they could not stop the pass. They did not do anything well. Their special teams were bad. I don't know what the deal was. I think they just probably came out of the block slow. But we need to talk about the Rams. Aaron Donald said, I have as much... I need to prove myself like I did in my rookie year. That's how he feels. Aaron Donald, you have no one to prove yourself to, my buddy. (laughs) 
you're an absolute freak. And then Matthew Stafford rolling back the years. 24 completions, 334 yards to a cast of characters at receiver that you could not name before this game. 2-2 Atwell. Puka Nakua. And then you have Tyler Higby, a tight end that most people, most NFL fans probably do know. But he is probably a bottom 20 tight end. And then you have Van Jefferson. But no Cooper Cup, of course. No wide receiver one. Of course, he's hurt. He's out for the first few games. But boy, Matthew Stafford, hats off to you. Second oldest quarterback in the NFL. And this is a compliment, but it showed. Such a fantastic veteran, cool, calm, collective performance leading his team to victory. An incredible win for the Rams and Seahawks. As I said, yeesh. Getting blown out at home. And now they go to Detroit. A team that will be full of confidence. A fan base that is absolutely in love with this team. And that's going to be a tough game. So the Seahawks, they could be starting off bad this year. But they're going to be on a salvage mission in Detroit this weekend. And then now we're going to keep it short and sweet because I promised to keep within the 40-minute time frame, 40 to 49 minutes. <laughs> we have the Cowboys beating the my Giants 40 to 0 on Sunday night football. Um, if you want to watch a game and show it to someone that says one drive cannot change a game. Show them this game. The Giants, the first drive of the game, are carving the Cowboys apart. And then rookie center John Michael Schmitz, when the Giants are in the red zone, snaps a worm burner to Daniel Jones. We lose about 15 yards. And then on fourth down, the kick is blocked and the Cowboys return it for a touchdown. Pop. You know what that pop is? It's like popping all of the air out of a balloon. Giants fans, we are excited. We were excited because this team has gotten so much better than last year when they won a playoff game. So, I mean, the stadium is rocking. We're driving. We're looking good. And then the Cowboys, after that blocked field goal, just ran all over us. Just absolutely decimated us. And the Cowboys, I will tell you this. The Cowboys have something that they have not had in years. A killer instinct. Daniel Jones was sacked seven times last night. The Dallas Cowboys, they are not playing around this year. They know, and this is a good thing for you Cowboys fans. The Dallas Cowboys now know that they need to win a Super Bowl this year or next year. Their window is now. And they are like, we are not showing any mercy. This is the game that the Cowboys of old win 40-25. to 25. Because they just, they don't care. They're up and they're up. They're goofing around. Uh, we'll, we'll take some game, some plays off. And the Giants would score a few touchdowns. And they would make it look respectable, even though it was really a dismantling. But the Cowboys, you saw them on the sideline. sideline. They were like, we're out for blood. Kick them while they're down. We're gonna, we sacked them five times. We're going to sack them six times. And there were some vicious hits in that game. The Cowboys know how to hit. So the Dallas Cowboys... I'm going to have to see it for a few more games. But as much as it pains me to say as a Giants fan, the Cowboys are looking dangerous because they have that killer instinct that they have lacked for so many years. 
Okay. So now we have gone through all 12 NFL games from this weekend. Okay. Please get in contact with me. Tell me what you think of the episode. And we'll be back for the midweek episode to dive into all things sports. We have some great things to cover in the midweek episode. We have U.S. Open Tennis. Baseball's getting down to the wire. We have some good soccer. And then, of course, we'll be able to talk more about all things NFL. Have a blessed rest of your day, guys. Like the podcast. Give it a five-star review. Follow it. Subscribe. And be ready for the midweek episode. And follow Sue's Corner on Instagram. Sue's Corner, your one-stop shop for all things sports. God bless you all. See you in a few days. Sue's out.